Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey everyone, I can't wait to introduce you to my guest today. She's amazing. I heard her present. That's how we got um, connected. She was presenting um, a meeting with a bunch of different uh, business owners all about marketing, all about content. And she was just laying down the law, telling people what's what, smashing myths. As you know, that caught my attention. And so who is she? What does she do? All about content. She's been a ghostwriter, copywriter, editor, wordsmith, marketing consultant to the stars, owner, uh, at Kristen Sweeney Consulting. Any guesses who it is? Kristen Sweeney, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, so welcome. Welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. This is our marketing leadership series. We're also talking content and we're going to be keeping it real with people. So I need to pass you something real quick. Hold on, it's kind of heavy. Ugh. I'm going to smash my glass. Here you go. Whoa. Thor's hammer. Oh, Thor's hammer. That. Got it? <laughs> yeah, got, got it. it. Okay. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Take Thor's hammer. Just one-handed that thing too. It's pretty impressive. Um, Take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. The myth I want to bust is that high value content is hard. So, so often when companies think about what kind of, content they want to be putting out there that kind of fall into two buckets right wait, one, wait. So is, one second that's a myth so it's not hard it's not hard no it's so easy why do we think it's hard we think it's hard because we think if something has value that it's got to be like agonizing to pull out uh, of us like a quest right? <laughs> like a quest yeah sure so imagine like so many of the clients that i work with are these ceos and they'll send me stuff right we have this initial conversation and they're like i have these word documents and I started to write my thoughts about something and then I just got stuck. So they, they suffer from writer's block. They're not inherently great writers. They know, you know, in terms of what they need to be doing in their business, like the pain of writing, which yeah. it, it is, it is a painful process, even for people yeah. who love it, um, isn't like highest and best use of their time. So they, when they try and really share of themselves, um, especially if they're not, you know, they're not like that used to, um, like sharing their inner thoughts or mm -hmm. being maybe like tapping into their emotions or their beliefs, all the stuff that makes a piece of content really meaningful. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just really hard for them and they get stuck. And so all their great ideas sort of languish, uh, forgotten on their hard drive, for sure. finished, but, but that's why people think it's hard. And then I think the other side of that is this approach that's super hands off. It's like, you know what, we'll just go out there. Um, we're just going to, send somebody out to kind of research what everyone else is doing. And we'll do a piece that's like the same version of that, but we'll try to make it a little bit better. And, um, there is some value to content like that in terms of SEO, but, but I think if it's not paired with something that really, and especially with the kind of brands and companies I work with that, that captures like the voice and the tone, um, of the owner or the company itself, um, then your audience is going to figure out that you're not delivering really, really high value content. Right. But the fact is it's, it's not as difficult as people think. You know, it sounds like two extremes here. You have the people who, who are trying to make it perfect and they get stuck. I've been mm -hmm. there for sure. I legit yeah. have, uh, maybe you can help me rescue them. I have several 
Um, Word documents on your hard really drive? Really cool. Of course, <laughs> it's 2020. They're Google documents. Oh, sure. But, um, but they're, they're sitting out there in the cloud having yet to be published. And I think some of them are like 95%. Um, I had this one on the yeah. Silverado co- converse, commercial or something, and I really cool, and I spent so much time on it, but I just, uh, I don't know. And then, and then so there's the hard the hard people with like where it's like it's just painful and i get stuck by wanting to be perfect or reflect on me mm-hmm. um and then there's the opposite extreme you brought up which is like yeah we'll just outsource this thing and or we'll just copy somebody and throw some fluff out there because that's what content's all about isn't it fluff right it's like yeah no one's walking yeah. in the middle which is the good content side there is nothing worse to me than reading a blog post that's got a great headline and then i i click on it and i'm like Okay, you drove to a strong call to action. That's great, but I couldn't even tell you what I read because it was gross. just sort of vague and fluffy and meh, you know. And so even right. if you've got a good a good product, I at least am, am totally turned off by that. You know, it's like they did half the half the the work or half the job. They got you there. It's like cool, mm-hmm. you got me here. Mm-hmm. It happened to me with one time with a white paper where it was all about marketing automation, my thing, and yeah. AI, which is super fluffy, super bunch of bullshit in there right now so i was like okay <laughs> tell me straight what is the, how can i use these two things together no the title was perfect the yep. content was designed well total garbage and i was really mad at them and then the next day a sales rep called and was like do you want to talk about this thing i was like oh i remember you guys Don't. i deleted <laughs> unsubscribe i hate you guys like not that person but like your company yeah. tricked me i feel tricked and i'm not going to do business with you i don't even want to hear your pitch yeah Total sidebar, but um, I'm yeah. a big watcher of the West of Westworld on HBO. Oh, heck yeah! So when you said AI, and I was like, you know, this is kind of how I felt about Westworld season three, which is that like all these cool AI concepts were introduced, but then when I really thought through them, I was like, these don't really go anywhere. These dots aren't connected for me. It's just kind of like it sounds good, but if I tried to describe it back, I can't really explain the effect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, on Westworld, by the way, this show is all about sidetracks and then right. people just hang on for dear life or they just kind of roll with it. <laughs> um, they've been trained. Everyone's been trained to just roll with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Westworld, fascinating show. Things like bicameral mind, I'm saying it wrong yeah. probably, but the idea yeah. of like two sides of the brain and they have to talk to each other and and then yeah. like they introduced the third voice, but it was your own voice, but you thought it was God, but then you realized it was yourself. All sorts of really yeah. weird sci-fi concepts did it get kind of i don't know if i even remember the third season just finished aaron paul oh, oh, oh third so it just finished okay i i basically kill hbo as soon as westworld's over um so i haven't restarted <laughs> it um so okay so i have i know nothing they'll say anything God, about third okay. season all right but were you disappointed you were disappointed though with it i i think so Maybe my standards are too high because I thought the first season really did make me think about those kind of philosophical concepts. Yeah. And like, ultimately it is a TV show, right? So like, what am I expecting from a TV show? How far am I expecting it to go in terms of AI and the philosophy of human consciousness and the ethics of living with robots and and all that good stuff? Um, I enjoyed it. I always enjoy it, but it wasn't quite quite where I wanted it to be. And I did feel like, oh, you, you said all this cool stuff, but then when I tried to like string it together, which is kind of my thing, um, yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't really do it. I can't yeah. really do it. So that, that tells me there's some, some gaps. Critical question, is it worth me signing up for HBO 
just to watch the th- third season or should I? I don't know. Isn't there some old TV show on HBO Max that you really want to watch right now? I just saw Fresh Prince of Bel-Airs on there. Oh, okay. So. Well, I've been kind of distracted by Amazon Prime TV lately with like oh. old game shows and whatnot. They've got oh. Password, which I'd never watched. And then I was like, this is actually really kind of fun. <laughs> and family Feud, they've got reruns of that. Nice. Um, nice. So, okay. Good, good to know about Westworld, but you brought it up around the AI topic. What was the, the connection there? I think the idea was just... Talk, stuff that sounds really good but ends up being it's like your mind can't grasp oh, onto it. it because it's kind of filler and it's like you said a bunch of things maybe it's kind of buzzwordy um bringing it back to content you got me to this call to action but but like what did you actually share yeah what yeah. did i learn here for the record um, last last season and last two episodes of game of thrones same right <laughs> clearly they just want to get on with their lives spoiler yeah. <laughs> And like the last two yeah. shows are like last season. Is it even worth watching? I don't know. Um, they should probably throw him in jail for having such bad writing for the oh, last man. season. I don't know. It was sad. It was sad. So my, uh, my husband had never watched Game of Thrones. I've been a book reader for a long time. And he, our daughter was born last January. And so he actually, this is, we were home and she was very small watched like binged all of game of thrones and finally caught up at the se- the series finale it's the only episode we watched together wow. that neither of us had ever seen and then at the end he was like i don't know if all those hours in my life were worth it <laughs> no yeah it makes you question the whole thing kind of like a yeah, whole point yeah. by the way I, i'm pretty sure joe rogan has a bit where he talks about i'm guilty of this too um people who have read game of thrones are like quick to let you know by the way i've i've definitely read game of thrones yeah, you know, <laughs> I, after a I while, I forgot. I forgot what was in the books, and so then, like, Same. I kind of rewatched it with him. And so by then, I was sort of like embracing the the TV storyline. But in the beginning, I definitely was guilty of that. Yeah, do you think he'll ever finish his series? I mean, he kind of needs to now because they destroyed it in the. In I don't the know. I don't know. All he has to I do ho- is say the real ending that doesn't suck is in this book. Go get it. Right. Like, okay, sign me up. Or even if it's the same ending but made it. But better, like you said, better writing, a little less like, let's just get get to the end here. Okay, the guy that you've been afraid of this whole time gets killed by a dropping dagger. Give me a break, right? Give me a break. <laughs> does not happen. He's the most scary guy ever. And a falling dagger. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to get on to like the, Sky, the Skywalker right, Star Wars right. series. So they were like yeah. bouncing out, out of it. It was Not crazy. Big deal. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So we hate it in TV shows. We hate it in content. You got to do it the right way. People are going extremes. Got to be perfect and they don't publish it. Doesn't have to be perfect at all. And then they publish mm-hmm. garbage. So what is the middle? What, or what is the right path to follow here? So I think the middle way is empowering business owners and leaders to just basically like take all the information that's already in their brain, right? They're already um, industry experts, right? They have a ton of experience. They're working, probably working with clients on a daily basis, right? They understand their customers, like all that information that's just captured up in there that they use to make decisions, just figuring out an easy way to download that out of their head and then let somebody else worry about actually putting the content together. Got it. So download it. And this is the, the, the age old problem is like the thought leader or the expert at the company. Maybe it's the CEO, maybe it's the solution architect or whoever it is. They've got limited time. They're out 
doing mm-hmm. other things and mm-hmm. yet we want to get their content out there. It's so it's like, how do you maximize their time? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, for most of those folks, they love to, most of us, right. Love to talk and it's an easy way to share information. And as soon as so you know, many of us start to grab a pencil and think we're going to write something or sit down at the keyboard, like we freeze up, we self edit, we start to think, um, about things like sequence, which is really important, but it's not important at first. Um, so right. what I do is really work with clients that basically they just like brain dump onto me and it's not in any logical order and it's usually in a conversation too. So just like this conversation is bringing out a lot more than if I just sat here and kind of answered a list of pre-prepared questions that you sent me. For sure. Right. This is a lot more engaging. We're kind of taking it to interesting places. It's like, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so that's really at the heart of the way that I work with clients. And, and I think it's easier than they expect that they find like, oh, I, I am a thought leader in the industry. It's just a matter of getting my information, getting the information I already have out of my head and into the world. Um, and I don't need necessarily like some big complicated strategy or more experience or expertise than I already have. I just need a way to put that information out there that's in a way that's like professional and um, well marketed, right? Like yeah. no sense having it up on a blog post on the internet that nobody's going to look at. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, but but the key is just facilitating a really, really easy way for them to share what they already know and building the content out of that. 100%. And I think that the unspoken thing here is really probably another myth you're smashing is, is like there's certain people that know the stuff and you may not know it. I may not know it. The marketing team may not know it. It may be the other the solution engineer, maybe someone mm-hmm. else, the CEO. And so rather than trying to, you know, have us catch up and become the expert in a month, right? Or, I mean, we, we can eventually become our own thought leaders in a way, but, but yeah, like it's go to the source, right? I think a lot of these yeah. outsourced shops, there's a famous one in the Boston area, but like, they, they don't know that your topic nearly as well as you do. And so if they write the mm-hmm. content, you sound like you know the topic as well as they do, which is not well at all. Yes, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And we can, you know, I can usually leverage like one conversation with a client can produce a month's worth of blog posts, an hour conversation. For sure. And it's, it's at that high level. Um, and so, right, all, I don't need to be an expert in estate planning law, right? I just need to be, I need to understand it well enough that I can kind of like ask insightful questions. Um, But often I'm a good, decent, like stand in for the audience, right? So, um, because uh, sometimes what folks struggle with, especially if they do their own writing and I work with folks in like professional services. So sometimes their content is a little more technical, life insurance or or law or um, accounting. And they struggle with- sounds exciting, by the way. (laughs) You know, I have to say my life insurance client is like so committed to his mission of making people's lives better that it is really inspiring to work with him. How do you make lives better with life insurance though? Isn't that just like- Because you're protecting their family's future. The family's future. Okay. And he really like, that's his why. And he- That's cool. Believes it. That's cool. It's not Um, just like trying to just get people out of money. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So- you know, sometimes when they're trying to talk to, let's say their clients, their information comes off a little too technical. It's a little too jargony. And so I can kind of 
it's often helpful that I'm not so immersed in their field. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean exactly? So is it like, this is how I would say that? Is that, you know, kind of breaking it down a little bit simpler? Um, That's a huge point though. The fact that we may not know the full thing. I mean, I mm -hmm. I even think about uh, some people have books when they come on this podcast and they're like, have you read my book? You know, or I, I will come on your show when you, listen to or read my book. And I was like, mm-hmm. actually, the way this works is I don't want to read it beforehand. I want to just ask you like I don't know anything, like probably everyone else listening. Right, um, right. Probably Everyone else probably knows more than I do. But like, I want to come at this just completely in, in the dark, understanding the topic. But like, let's dive into it. And then that inspires me and hopefully other people to then go get the book, right? The book As opposed to sure. coming into it, knowing the industry. Yeah, I, I could imagine you if you're just talking shop with the, the thought leader, you may miss completely your buyer who doesn't understand this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's it's not about being an expert. It's about just going straight to the source of the expertise. And then, you know, my job is to like the writing piece, of course. Right. Um, I'm really copy, you know, a writer first, but also to just take their ideas and sequence it and organize it. And you know, it, it doesn't usually come out of their mouth. <laughs> neatly organized into four <laughs> blog posts. I've, I have one client like that. Um, but, but, you know, for most people, they're just kind of, they're just riffing and, and that's where the gold really is. Yeah. And that's okay. Like just riff. Do you have any tips? Cause I think this is a, a powerful thing that marketers can learn, which is to, you, you said the word to facilitate, facilitate this downloading of thought leadership out of the expert getting it out so that you can then go crazy with it, great content. Like any tips when you, you have that person on the phone or on a zoom now or something like that, what, what kind of strategies, if you could advise someone on like maybe three things or whatnot to really make the best of that, that time. Cause also you're talking to someone probably really important. You don't want to yeah. come across like an idiot, you know, yeah. this is important. Yeah. So I would say one is make sure you have a really airtight system for capturing what they say. So I um, have a wide, a very diverse uh, career, like job history. And so one of the things, like the best thing I ever did was take a ninth grade typing course. And then I was a a legal assistant for a while. So, which was very transcription based. So I can basically transcribe. It's not, you know, super pretty, but I can transcribe as fast as someone talks. And very often that's what I'm doing during client conversations. I'm literally capturing all their words. And yeah, I'd want to see um, that sometime, like on a webinar. <laughs> I'd want to test that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so that's kind of the system that tends to work best for me. But sometimes we'll just do something like use a transcription service instead. So yeah, if you're there, if that's not your bag, right? Or if you're not a super fast typer, or you feel like it disen- you know, makes you feel really disengaged. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but if you're just taking like the occasional note here and there, you're not going to get the content you're looking for. And you're not going to get the client coming back to you and saying, this sounds like me only better, which is like the highest compliment I think yeah, I, agree. I can, I can hear. Yeah. Um, and that's partly because I'm literally using their words whenever possible and sort of framing and sequencing around it. So sometimes what you can do is something like um, Temi, T-E-M-I, I think it's Temi.com. So it's just a transcription service, right? But it's a nice one because it links it up to the video. So you just upload the video, get the whole thing downloaded. So basically the point is 
have a really airtight system for capturing all their words. So you don't have to go back to them later and be like, you said something about this, but I don't really remember. Can you elaborate a little more? Yeah. Um, so that's part one. No, real quick. Do you yeah. record them too? Sometimes it depends. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my typing. Yeah, you got the, t- um, but like if, like if we kind of like we're recording this podcast or someone mm-hmm. just record, are people okay with that? Or they get kind of weird if you're recording them? Uh, Generally, I mean, you want to definitely get permission, but if I usually usually just frame it in terms of <laughs> Trick like this is so that I can you know make sure I capture all of your words and everything that that you're sharing, and then don't miss anything, then they're they're happy. I could see that being way important because otherwise, to your point, if you're like, hey, I heard something, I yeah, thought, I was writing down the previous note and I totally spaced out on that note. Right. That happened. Right. I mean, that happens on podcast. That happens on podcasts that I'm hosting. Sure. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm writing down this thing and I'll go and I'll listen to them over again and I'll laugh at my own jokes and then I'll also learn again <laughs> finer points. I was just listening to one um, today. Um, yeah. Todd Hartley, the video experience guy. Um, apparently the average length of a YouTube video, which he told me once already, but I learned it again, was 14, point, uh, 14 minutes and 50 seconds is the average wow. YouTube so you go back and you listen and you learn. So yeah, I could see recording being a real cool. Yeah, because you're in a different role, right? When you're hosting this podcast or in conversation, then kind of like I'm not, I'm not thinking like how am I going to structure this piece or mm-hmm. how am I going to lay out their program guide when I'm in conversation? I'm really just there in it to capture the information. Right. So if okay. typing is distracting, definitely recording and cool. getting a transcript is the way to go. I think. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I think just setting the framing for some people will do this automatically, but some people will get into this mode where they're actually trying to literally dictate to you. And so that same kind of writer's block comes in where they're being really careful or they're trying oh. to start with the introduction. So emphasizing like, we're just having a conversation. It's my job to take all of this and make logical sense and decide where it goes later but we don't need to worry about any of that right now it's just for you to talk and and sometimes it like takes a little a little while in the relationship or you got to kind of warm them up and yeah usually if um i'll notice if it's something that they've got a little pre-prepared as soon as i ask a question that (laughs) isn't prepared then they have to just respond normally and that can uh sort of like facilitate that just kind of opening up of the conversation and now they're just speaking off the cuff. Gosh, I've seen that so many times. Uh, is the thought though, when they're uber prepared like that, they're not really letting it out or they're, they're, they're probably self-editing and they're, it's holding them back? Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's not that preparation exactly is the problem, but it's right. more like they're trying to speak like they envision the content will be written. Oh. So they're almost trying to literally dictate like right. a lawyer would dictate, write this in the letter and they're like, yeah. say blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's, it's, it's brings in the same problem of if they were trying to write it themselves. Right. Like a 1920s person dictating a letter. Yeah. With yeah, exactly. Or something. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes there's like, they can kind of go into that mode, but usually, um, and I think the third thing I would say is just really keeping an ear, it's exactly what you're doing right now, Casey. Just hearing things in the conversation. I want to learn a little bit more about that. Bring yeah. me back to that, that point. Let me ask about it from a different way. Um, so those questions really keep the conversation going. And 
I think that is where there's the opportunity to dig into somebody's psyche a little bit more or help them open up a little bit more. Um, they're maybe not going to do that in kind of your first pass at the conversation. So Got your it. questions can really help them dig a little bit deeper or share something in a different way, or maybe it's right, explaining a term or a concept that they have thrown out there, but they don't realize their audience isn't super familiar with that. That's a little more high level. It's a little industry insider, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. And not being afraid to say, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do not know. I do uh, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? And maybe they think, huh, interesting. People may not know what this is. Like, right. and we were talking earlier about there's different marketing terms and different bubbles and ecosystems yeah. that get thrown around and, and you can forget that like, oh, you may deal with it all the time. Like me, I deal with part out marketing automation all the time, but a lot of marketing is more lead gen or more other things. And mm -hmm. we may not know all the terms that we share. And so just right. kind of having someone there that's just sort of listening actively, but yeah. pushing back and saying what, or inquiring further with questions makes sense. Yeah. I was just listening on a, on a conversation on a call the other day. I mean, they knew, they knew I was there, but uh, where- Yo, Oh, someone, are you saying you're one of like the Zoom hackers that you like snuck into the <laughs> phone? <laughs> so the, the conversation had to do with companies that end up kind of, that like merge, right? So yeah. same industry. And it takes, the, the um, comment was that it can sometimes take the leadership team, like the newly merged leadership team, like six months to figure out that they're using the same term and meaning totally different things. Um, yeah. So yeah, just that like making sure everybody's on the same page and that we're defining this term well for everybody. And sometimes I'll ask, right? I'll say like, does your audience know what that is? Sure. I may not know, but that also doesn't mean, well, they're like, yes, it's my peers or it's like we're B2B. So yes, they're totally going to know what I mean when I say X and you know, we also want to make sure we're not dumbing things down too much. Um, like if we're, you know, writing for other leaders that we're not writing to like a, a consumer, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, true. Over explaining yeah. or to saying something they already know is really obvious. So. You bring up is a great just, point though. And I like the transition. Um, instead of thinking people are dumb, it's like, well, what is your definition? Sales and marketing routinely get the definition of a lead wrong or a qualified mm -hmm. lead or an opportunity, totally different pages on that. Mm -hmm. um, so just saying, what, what's your definition for that? I think back to even when I was writing my book, B2B, you know, like me clarifying what I felt B2B was and if you were a good reader for this book or not, just mm -hmm. helped to clarify my point. Well, it was a complex sale with high transaction value. So if you fit that and you're not and you're selling to consumers, yeah. well, this would be a good fit for you too. But clarifying that or having that thought leader clarify it, it can be a nice way of having them answer it without being like, what, you don't know what that is? Like, no. What's your definition? Though? What's yeah. your yeah. best working definition of this topic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Prep, uh, prep. I wrote down prep as a question. How much do you prep for these things? Mm, it really depends. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, before, generally speaking, and, uh, before I have like a, con a kind of content mining conversation, so I have a little, like a four-step process. So capture, what we were just talking about is really the second, the second step. Um, the first step is clarify. So in general, we'll have some kind of conversation, which I may or may not type furiously during or record, uh, where we're talking a little bit more about 
you know, ideal customer who all the stuff we've just been talking about, who is, who is the audience? Who is this for, you know, making sure we're clear on what format the content's going to take, um, what we're driving toward, you know, calls to act, calls to action, sure. And an individual piece of content, but maybe like overall strategy for this type of content. Um, so that in and of itself is a lot of prep work. And then I do yeah. have prep work that I send out to clients for them to fill in. Sometimes they don't. And then, so this is like kind of the flip side of working with a really high level person, right? Is like, they may not be that interested in checking all the boxes for and sure. it might be easier for them to talk through it in a conversation. Um, sure. So same thing applies. So if they, if I don't have like a neatly filled out prep worksheet in advance, then um, we'll usually have like a preliminary conversation where How we long is walk it? through it together. Your worksheet. Uh, it could be an, uh, it's not that long. Okay. It's not that long at all. Yeah. Like 15 questions, maybe, you know, my, yeah. my hope is that ideally someone's not coming to me who doesn't know their ideal customer yet. Right. Cause if I'm trying to help you discover who you're talking to and write your content, I've had that experience. And what can happen is you're not satisfied. It doesn't hit the mark because you are not yet totally sure of who you are. So I think like a lot of people in marketing space, sometimes we do end up in that place of we're doing a little bit of strategy with clients who maybe aren't quite where we would like them to be ideally. Sure. Um, so for example, if I was working with a, an EOS client, it'd be great if they just sent me their vision traction organizer, which has their their list, their has target audience, it's got it all and it's right there. And if they could like expand upon that a little bit more and they'd ideally send me some great filled out ideal customer profile or avatar, however you want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't always happen, right? So sometimes we're kind of backfilling a little bit. Uh, in terms of prep for the actual conversations, it depends. Usually I can bring a few ideas to the table, but I will always start with what's on their mind, what they're wanting to talk about. Um, and, you know, ideally we're working off a content plan, but um, I know we, we talked about wanting to bring this up. Sometimes we're really just trying to get like that marketing habit of capturing and putting content out there up and running. So for a while that can look like, what are you thinking about right now? Let's just start there and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Cause I could see like what you're thinking about now could be anything and then eventually corralling them into thinking about the goals and the questions mm -hmm. your customers mm -hmm. are having um, yeah. so that the content's like spot on to your target. It makes total sense that clarify. Now, is that one of many steps that clarify step? It's one your, of four steps. First one of four steps. Step one. Yeah. Your madness. <laughs> Okay. I wrote, wrote four steps, but even just having that can be so huge. I remember working with this one company and they were bragging to me about a content piece and it, it this was like a mid-sized company and they're in the sort of finance world. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we paid a lawyer in New York city who was a thousand dollars an hour to write this paper for us. Look, we're so cool. I'm thinking that's a cool, that, like that budget is probably some smaller companies, like entire marketing budget. <laughs> that's a cool budget. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm thinking also to your point about typing, what's this guy's word per minute? Because it ended up being 27 pages long. And so I'm thinking you can't more than an hour for a page. So I can't imagine how much this yeah. paper costed. Yeah. Then. And then I asked them, like, what problem or challenge does this solve for your customer? 
I'm, I'm excited. Hey, this sounds great. What does it solve? And then all the like eyes started diverting away and the head started looking down and <laughs> no one looked at me. And yeah. they, they were all sort of signaling that. And then they eventually said like, that's not how they went at this. They went at this like, oh, we have a budget. We'll pay the smart guy. And mm-hmm. it's like all about us and yeah. stuff. And it had nothing. It wasn't all that helpful to mm-hmm. their customer. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't all that successful, but they hadn't done that, that simple step, a clarify step. And maybe it's not so simple, yeah. but at least asking who is this for? What mm-hmm. is the ideal outcome of this project? Do we want, mm-hmm. what do we want? And if they had done it for that paper, it might've been like, Hmm, do we really just want to brag for like 45 K? Like, I don't know. Right. Right. Maybe we'll do something yeah. different. And it, it's not to say that if we're like I said, so ideally we'd have this great editorial calendar and we'd just be like, here are the four topics we're doing today. Let's, and so if we, if, if that's not the case, which sometimes it, it takes a while to get there and you're sort of up and running while you're, while you're planning, yeah. that doesn't mean that the content we capture, like it should still ask and address those questions. So that's part of the questioning, right? It's like, okay, yeah. so you've gone on a, like a little bit of a rant that's great. Now, like, let's find some recommendations or like, why yeah. does this matter to your audience? Or like, what should they do about it? Or, you know, making sure that, uh, because part of the risk of letting them just freestyle is that like, you don't want to spend 15 minutes off on something that you're like, that's great. We can never use it. Um, True. So it's like hoping to kind of tie it back or kind of identifying like, oh, actually, I can't tie it back. And so maybe it's time to move on. So they start talking about Game of Thrones for like 30 minutes. I know? mean. <laughs> I agree, man. That, I think serious. we did, though. I think we brought it we back. Did. <laughs> we totally did. Um, yeah, but kind of corralling them back in and, and trying to figure out yeah. how to make that useful content. Yeah. Um, and then be- the other thing I want to say about the capturing content. So I'm talking, a lot of times we have co- we're talking, you know, just conversation and that's how we're doing it. But the other thing is just really mining any existing content you have. So I always tell my clients, like, you can send me a voice memo with a a brilliant thought. You can send me a one sentence email. I want to see any presentations you've done, any videos you've got of speaking engagements, like anything you've already written, but especially things like, um, that haven't yet been maybe like fully utilized, just all that other media, you know, send anything you've got, any raw stuff, send it to me. And then, so sometimes we don't even need, you know, a full conversation. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a good point. There's stuff already out there, hopefully somewhere, Mm -hmm. but even that, even just like a quick voicemail, get this interesting thought. Um, Yeah. Like for me, I do a lot of hiking lately, had some thoughts, Mm -hmm. put it down on my phone. Oh, I had this thought. Yeah. Then yeah. Just kind of putting that in words and getting that out to someone in the marketing team to be able to. Yeah. And just kind of capturing it in the moment. Right. So that later we can come back and go, Oh, you, you sent me a one sentence email about X and suddenly that, you know, is the trigger for, Oh yeah, let's talk about this thing. Um, And we can build that out in a conversation. Okay. If needed, you know, so um, I've got some steps here on how to be a good facilitator of that conversation. What, this, the framework that starts with clarify, what, what is this? Is this like the content creation framework that you use? Yes, it, that's okay. exactly what it is. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, what comes after clarify? Create. Um, and that's do they the all start with C's? They do. I mean, oh, that's yeah. exciting. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every marketer out there was like, yeah, 
Yeah, all is right in the world. They all start with C's. It's good. Yeah, yeah. There's four steps. They start with C's. Uh, so create is really <laughs> honestly that's kind of where I like my team takes over and starts to drive. So yeah, uh, that's you know the drafting of the content. That's piecing it together, putting it together, and then it is the editing process with the client, which. Again, their involvement is wide ranging, wide ranging. Any tips on that? How to ruffle feathers, but get good content out of it. Anyone, mm. anyone ever freak out in the editing process? Or not really, because you got the content from them. So it's like- Usually <laughs> you if it. you get the content from them, I mean, occasionally they might be like, oh, that's not actually something that I would want to say publicly. Right. Um, so they might kind of edit that out. Yeah, so usually, like I said, the the place most likely to run into trouble is if you end up working with someone who doesn't totally know who they are yet. Yeah. And they're trying, you know, content's a really important part, I think, of defining and shaping your voice as a company and as a brand, but it can't do all the lifting for you um, because I think you'll be un unsatisfied with it if you don't know who you are. If you're not intentional about that, it will be all over the place, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll be your personality, uh, the thought leader's personality, the editor. Yeah. It might then, change. You know, even people within the team. So this is what can happen. Yeah. People within the team don't agree on who the business is and the Got brand. It. And so then like, as it's getting one person might like it, the person who you spoke with, but then yeah. it gets, you know, to that final review, you're like, someone else is like, Oh, we really need to bring in those other aspects. And you're like, this first person didn't talk to me about that stuff at all. So like, right. and, and it's not that you're not, I'm not willing, you know, you have to be willing to incorporate feedback and ideas. But again, if it's coming from that place of not really understanding brand identity, then, then I think it's hard um, to write satisfying content. Uh, mostly be flexible, like, and don't take it personally. That's just kind of par for the course. And I think sometimes um, clients actually, think that I will take it more personally than I will. And I'm like, I write, I rip my own writing to shreds all the time. Yeah, like sure. if you do that, you're used to seeing, you know, tons of red lines and, and that's not a problem. Um, yeah, I think be flexible and, and don't take the feedback personally. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have clients who I worked with folks who I would send them something and they would do a ton of editing, but they were super, they were super happy with the product. Okay. Like, and others who, you know, I like, I wrote a blog post based on a two sentence text message they sent me and they're like approved looks, looks great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it really, it really just depends. And, and that like takes building a relationship with the client for a while. Totally. I'm surprised you got Eric to text you back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> up eric um okay so this makes sense and you know you brought up the voice a couple times and I, I wonder is this is this tied to like how silly or how much fun is the writing does it sound like the speaker and i really like that you're thinking about it tell me more about voice and then how you how you mind mind it so that it comes across as if that thought leader was writing or speaking yeah sure so i as I mentioned, I tend to work mostly with like professional service companies. So in general, I'm, I'm not going to be your best person to write like really zany content. I'm not zany. Oh, um, zany. Yeah. Zany. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are you so, not a zany person? Only if you get to know me well. Right. Well, you don't have purple <laughs> hair. So right I don't have away. purple hair. Yeah. Yeah. There Stacked you go. Stacked against you. Uh, 
So I think that um, it's, it's not so much for me that it's an incredibly strong, it's more point of view than it is um, like, oh, I, I so remember the way that they talk and they're super cool. That, I mean, that is very appropriate for some brands. It just doesn't happen to be my wheelhouse. Um, so the way I think about voice is, again, in that capture process, a lot of like literally the client's kind of vocabulary and phrasing is a big part of it. And, yeah. and, um, and their worldview, right? Like, are they really prescriptive in their recommendations? Like, you better do this or else. Are they a little like, you might want to consider this, you know, and that depends. Oh, um, that's a really good point. Like if they're just like banging the table being like, you got to mm -hmm. do this. Or if they're just sort of suggesting and they're kind of that counselor type. That's interesting yeah. way of thinking about it. Yeah. 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 And, and we, that starts to shape over time, right? So if some clients are like, I would never use this term or like, I hate this terminology. And you're like, okay, that's like not your voice, you know, knowing what's excluded is just as important, I think, as knowing what's Agree. included. Um, so it's like, I don't necessarily think about trying to like, almost feel like, write like too much of a persona yeah, or uh, too much of a, I don't even really mean that in a marketing way though. Right. <laughs> I mean, no, totally. Like almost like, it's not like a caricature of a, you know, the voice doesn't have to be so strong in that way. Um, but yeah, like the, w the way they would talk about things, their language, um, their exact phrasing, I think all of that really informs the voice. Um, you know, are they like, what are the, you know, and this kind of gets back to some of the clarify, like how do I, how do customers talk about our brand? Well, if it's, you know, I'm working with a client now and we want them to feel, um, so we want their clients to feel that this company is warm and inviting yeah. and feminine. And so like I use the word support a lot. I mean, it's yeah, not just yeah. that, but it, there's a softness to the language around it. Um, that would be very different for a different audience, even right. if we were doing the same thing or for a company with different who wanted to approach that in it, you know, as let's say like a clinical expert and that's what they sure. really wanted to put forward be similar content, but the kind of fluff around it would, would be a little bit different. Yeah. That, that, the framework, the structure around it, I could see, I mean, for us, like Cheshire impact it, our core values are we care, we have fun, we get things done. Right. So it's like fun needs to be a part of it. We're Those okay. are such market or core values. You they like rhyme. that? Yeah. They are. They, and they rhyme. You're right. <laughs> sounds good. Like literally Eric, Eric actually good. helped us pick them out and he's like, well, you know, they rhyme. And I think you get bonus points for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's caring. It's fun. It's There's some exactness to getting things done. At the mm -hmm. same time, it's like life's too short. Let's have fun. So we're okay mm -hmm. sending an email out or having a blog post with a joke or with parentheses yeah. and inside comments and yeah. silliness and winky faces and mm -hmm. and it's okay whereas i could see other groups being like no we can't we cannot we, we cannot act like that yeah um, exactly completely different so you just yeah. matching the style and to your point the words they use if you're using the words people use from the transcript or from your notes then mm -hmm. it's it's hard not to then be like them because that's what they actually said. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So we've got the two C's. What's the third C? So that's create, which is kind of what we were talking about. 
um, with the oh, voice. Wait. So cre- the third C is so create. Clarify is number one. Yeah. Capture is number two. Oh, I told. Okay. Yeah, we did them out of order. Okay. Crossing out the two and putting a three. <laughs> crossing out three, putting a two. Okay, so the capture. We talked all about the capture. Got it. Yeah. So what is the final C? Complete. Complete. Which is really has to do with getting the project over the finish line and making sure that as much as possible, like the handoff of that, that, that this gets out into the world, right? So it's really unsatisfying and it's happened to me where you work on website copy and then three months, you know, it's a one-off project. Three months later, you look and their website's exactly the same as it always was. Right. But why, you know, and it's not that I can, I can't design a new website for them. Yeah. Um, but certainly I'm a little more proactive now and kind of connecting with resources, but part of, I think what makes us a little bit different is this kind of built-in project management. I'm extremely execution oriented. One of our core values is extreme accountability. Yeah. So this idea that it's not just enough to be like, here's your copy. Bye. Um, so sometimes that looks like handling the, um, the kind of like administrative and marketing pieces around it. And that's kind of how I backed into marketing was I was like, I'm writing stuff, but I want to make sure it's getting out there in the world. Um, so yeah, whether that's coordinating with somebody else's team, whether that's handling that piece ourselves, um, making sure the clients got access to other resources when possible, just really getting it finished and also fall, you know, proactively following up, Hey, this is the deadline, you know, not making sure something doesn't languish for review in the CEO's inbox. And well, I'm happy as long as my invoice gets paid, you know, just it's not not yeah. done until it's done. It's not done until it's done and people are reading it or yeah. watching yeah. it or consuming it. Um, ooh, there's another C, consumption. <laughs> uh, but the idea of content activation is so important. I, uh, yeah. The folks over at um, Uberflip are telling us stats of like 80 to 87% of all content never gets consumed and just sort of dies, right? And for content people like, oh my gosh, all the time spent... Yeah. You know, um, and I remember talking to um, David Meerman Scott, who's like this famous marketing writer. And the boss, do you know David? Have you heard of him? And, I don't. Mm-mm. Yeah, you, you should definitely uh, look him up. He's got I like will. I don't know, like forty marketing books. Um, so he's kind. Of, he wrote like the new rules for PR. Um, he wrote the new rules for marketing. I think just super super writer. He's writing about tribes now and all sorts of things. But yeah. he was talking to me before the show, just talking about how he was doing something like 250 podcast interviews all about promoting the book. And um, I was like, Oh, thank you for letting me be one of the 250. Uh, but yeah. he was talking about like, you know, the writing was a, maybe the 20% and the activation, the promotion sure. was the other 80% yeah. for a book. And we probably need to take that same approach for this content is like, it's such a good content. We want our buyers or consumers to see it, read mm-hmm. it and learn from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, Marketing is such a, like a sticky spider web, you know, cause you yeah. don't want to get in to me. I, I don't want, ever want to get in over my head of what I'm going to deliver if it's not my wheelhouse, Yeah. but I do want to push things as much as possible. Or, you know, if it's like, well, what's, what's the plan for this? Um, yeah. so, yeah. you know, really simple, but I'll like really 
never do an engagement for ongoing content like a newsletter or blog unless we're like, and who is this getting emailed to on a regular basis? And where is your email list? And maybe we're not list building for you, but how are you doing? Like at least bringing right. up the questions, you know, um, kind of on either. What's your take on that. newsletters? Since you brought it up. <sighs> Dramatic pause. I, no, sound. I like them. <laughs> I like them. And I think it's just a matter of, knowing your audience and the frequency. So mm. like some, you know, some companies can put something out every week or every month and there's stuff to report. Uh, I definitely think that they should ultimately feel like they're more about the reader than about the company. Yeah. I don't think that many people care. Like here's what's new with us. Yeah. Look what so we much. did this, this yeah. month. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think there are creative ways to, I have companies I work with who we do one like once a quarter or every couple of months and we really work to put out meaningful content and not like a, you know, there might be a picture of, you know, something personal, but it's not like, here's what I've been up to. It's a lot more like, here's what the real estate market is doing right now, or here's what you should be thinking about seasonally with respect to your home. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I know um, I've gotten um, the, cruise consulting group it not so much of a newsletter as much as just like a you know a note from eric on a regular basis like oh and it's helpful and it provides information and so mm-hmm. i think it's the opposite of the typical newsletter which is all about me and right and right. the headlines get buried and you don't well, this is just in my inbox i don't like it but if it's like a quick note hey here's something you'd be thinking about one yeah. little nugget yeah kind of yeah thing. and i i do you know i'm not necessarily like more is more. Sometimes I really believe less is more. Yeah. So if I'm talking to a company, one of the things I'll ask them if they want regular content, you know, is we'll have that conversation around frequency. Like, well, how often are there updates? Yeah. You know, things that people want to know about in your industry. Um, how often, you know, is there new information to share? If you're like a, subco- a subcontractor for construction, like one, who are we reaching out to? And what, like, what do those general contact contractors care yeah. about? They might care about some new like technology or something you can do with them, yeah. but they probably, I mean, maybe it's just too cynical, but they don't care that much about your right. team, <laughs> like about the inner workings of your company. And I mean, it's, it's still nice to do like a, I mean, like a employee feature, you know, a spotlight, something right. like that this can really help to personalize it. But yeah, ultimately I think it needs to feel like it's about, about them. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. Newsletters, it, these things is, I guess, style and I get frequency. I guess I was losing my place there. It was like frequency matters, and some people can handle receiving more of your emails. I guess as long as it's valuable, they don't mind. But the other day, I was just getting bombarded by someone, and just on principle of too much distraction, not enough value. I'm like unsubscribe. I don't. I don't want this yeah. thing. Well, and I think, isn't that kind of like the danger of all the segmentation, right? So now you're on this, you know, you're on this path and you're on this path and you're on this sure. path and suddenly you're on four different tracks for one company and you're just like, all right, I can't take eight, eight emails in one day. No. Yeah, they <laughs> have know? to be like mutually exclusive. You, okay, you're on this path. That's the path you're yeah. on. You can't be on yeah. nine different tracks. But you're right. Sometimes that runs away from people. And I know there's a feature in Pardot that, it makes sense now the idea of you know how many emails can this person get in a week or in a month 
and you, oh, you've hit your max. Cool. Don't send them anymore. But, yeah. Or you yeah. could just plan and not have right. to rely on the system to do that for you. But either mm-hmm. way, um, yeah, there's very few things that even I'll keep around as a, as a consumer. Have you heard of the hustle? Just generally? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the term. Hey, hustle. No, there's, a, there's like a newsletter called the hustle. No, I haven't. You should check it out. It's like one of the two newsletters, I guess I'll admit that I actually get. Um, uh, Hustle newsletter, I guess, is the way to find it. Um, Yeah, it even pops up. So what is it? Um, Thehustle.co. And we we had Steph on there who's an analyst from there. But it's actually interesting. It has like news bites, a little interesting tech news. And I I was like, oh, okay, this is actually, Mm -hmm. it's in a fun voice that, yeah enjoy and it's survived so far i haven't killed it and it comes every day and it's things that are popular and um so it's like that's and sometimes we've used that even internally it's like okay this is the kind of voice that we aspire to this sort of marketing like look it's fun it's informative how do we come across like this Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i think sometimes those good examples out there can really help inspire you to to try things sidebar let me ask you what thoughts on dot co Thoughts on dot co. This is actually very personal because I'm considering a rebrand and the URL I really want dot com is not available. Thoughts on dot co. Is it like a name thing or is it like a funny? For the yeah. Dot, yeah. It's the, the dot com's not available of Got what it. I want to rebrand to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen it more and more. And I think I'm like my friend Aaron. He has this thing called singularity.vc. Mm-hmm. And. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting like him. Um, I think people are more accepting of it because I, I think the number of people that actually direct type, Google could tell us if this is true, but the people that actually type in a, a web address directly is like lower. I think yeah, it, you, you click yeah. through to it. So it's almost like, do we even care where it's on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think .co or .something interesting could be, yeah intriguing i think the challenge with dot co might be that it's too much like dot com right you're not sure if you left off the m yeah whereas if it was something like with aaron's like singularity.vc i've never typed that but i've he's linked me to something and i clicked onto it you know you don't think it's v-e-e-c-e-e <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> um it used to be like a vc guy so that works too i know there's a lot of clever ones out there um i i have seen people try to like blend it into their name mm-hmm um domain endings there's <laughs> a search i wonder if there's like some funky ones are you thinking of a, a dot co thinking about it so uh i want kscontent.com nobody take it well you can't take it it's taken um ks content hmm. so i was thinking dot co or i could do a dash like a hyphen between ks and content ko you yeah <laughs> But those are just your initials. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What, what would be, you need zany. Oh, maybe you don't need zany. I don't need zany. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah. I just found a list that there's apparently um, 882 domain extensions. Wow. Well, okay. I clearly have a little more research to do. Dot. Is there a dot content? That would be sick. I think I looked and I don't think there is. There's dot cooking. <laughs> I don't <laughs> really? know. People just inventing all these goofy extensions. Dot 
ceo.care.cash.cash. That sounds terrible. You get blocked by the spam filters. <laughs> yeah, I'll link you to it. But yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. It's like, what what's the domain? First of all, does it matter anymore? I think it does. How much does, does it matter? Yeah. I think short matters too. Yeah. I think short is helpful. It's harder, but it's helpful. Like dot photography is probably not a good idea. Then again, people aren't using typing it, but. Right. Yeah, dot zone. Dot zone. I wouldn't do dot website. That seems like. <laughs> redundant? A little, just a little. <laughs> oh, dot redundant. Um, <laughs> do you have like a heritage? Are you from like France or something where you could be like dot, dot France dot, dot co or something? No. No. I mean, we're Irish and Italian going back, but not recently. Ooh, what is the Irish the uh, thing for that one? I don't know. But you know what's fun for people listening? Going like, wow, they're talking about all these things. <laughs> for sure, by the time this episode comes out, we're going to have a link in the show notes. So everyone go ahead and pull open your uh, show notes, the listing on this podcast, and you will see what the URL is. <laughs> Which predict- might be the old one. <laughs> Might be the old one? No, no. It'll be the it'll be the new one. This is your this is your deadline is to to get people to the new one. Figure and this then, out, yeah. We, we've talked about it so much that I'm sure everyone's curious. I'm sure know. everyone is scrolling through that list of eight hundred and fifty domain name domain extensions. So. Yeah. Dot army dot actor. Oh, there's so many. But something short. Yeah, that's why co is cool because it's short. Mm-hmm. Um the know. nice thing is if you say it, it definitely doesn't sound like com. It's co. Like Yeah, co for sure it doesn't sound yeah. It's like co mm. <laughs> where people are like, what is that? <laughs> no, it's like clearly something else. Um there's dot ooh. Oh oh oh. <laughs> people are so <laughs> weird. There's so many weird ones. Um Wow. So yeah, what are you thinking on the domain name? What you what are you kind of going for? What voice are you trying to what are you trying to convey? Um I think to be honest, I think my brand's a little feminine right now. Kristen Sweeney Consulting. That's uh, design, et wait, cetera. Does that mean more than what I think it means? Like I'd be like, yeah, I sure it could mean that. I mean Well, the logo's pink and gray. It's like a light pink oh, cool. and gray. And feels very about me and less about a team. Sure. But you know, when so, I type in Kristen Sweeney in Google, it brings up consulting as the first choice. That's pretty impressive. Okay. So, okay. So that's long. I got it. You want to kind yeah. of shorten it. Yeah. And then just kind of a rebrand, you know, just looking for something new. Oh, I hear you. You just, you need like a vision quest and a sweat lodge. <laughs> you emerge and you're like dehydrated, but you're like, I got it. I've got, got it. it. Yeah. Boom. Boom. So, all right, we got off a little .co tangent. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's short. Yeah. And you, and it's not weird where people are like, who is this child? I've done um, .cc before, and it seemed fine. What does that mean? I don't even know. But um, <laughs> it was the only way I, I – it was the Riviera Theater Company, RTC, uh-huh. and the uh-huh. .com was for sure taken for a three-letter yeah. word or three-letter domain. But CC wasn't, so it was like RTC.cc. And then joke was me? it was Casey yeah. Cheshire, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the Riviera Theater Company? Yes. Um, it was uh, our school's theater company, and I was in some shows. And eventually, I got to be the president. And that was kind of like nice. me kickstarting 
Nice. Um, even being an entrepreneur, running a business. Um, yeah. And for sure, all my attention went into that. I actually found some notebooks from college mm-hmm. and there was this like this thin one, probably an inch uh, thick. It was abstract algebra, which opening it up, it looks like Greek. I can't understand yeah. it. I yeah. can't, can't imagine how I passed that class. It looks terrible. It reminded me of the torture. <laughs> all I felt was pain looking at that notebook. Um, but then I saw another binder and it was probably three or four inches thick. And I opened it up and it was my theater binder from running the theater company. And I was like, oh, I wonder what was more important nice. to me at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, we um, did a bunch of things. This was turn of the century, I guess I could say. But we mm-hmm. um, took, took it from being like just like a cute little, oh, look at the college students doing theater to being like legit. And so we sold tickets online and nice. um, sold out a show or two before yeah. it even happened. Yeah. And um. I actually got the president of the college at the time to buy an online ticket and I got the newspaper to show up. And there's a picture of like me leaning over the computer and pointing to it. And he's like typing it and getting um, his online ticket. And then afterward, he's like, I don't really feel comfortable. This was after the press wasn't there. I don't feel comfortable buying online. So um, here's a check for for my ticket. (laughs) Isn't it funny how like not that long ago and it seems so quaint, like when people were just barely buying online, right? Things are so compressed. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. So yeah, it was was fun. Fun to do that. Definitely got terrible grades across the rest of the board, but those teachers did get suckered into coming to the show, you know, for sure. Um, But yeah, so RTC.CC. So I, I think, I think the short ones, there's some, there's some merit to that. Yeah. And you could even a, say that the CEO stands for content optimization, you know. There you, you go. Make it up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the future bring, do you think? Where, where are we going with all this stuff? Where are we going with content? I love the content mining conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to name the mm-hmm. show after that. It's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, no crystal ball over here, but. I definitely hope because it's really inspiring to me and really fulfilling that we continue to move in the direction of um, not necessarily like these curated personas, but people just really sharing more of themselves. And I suspect thinking about, you know, so we're recording this three months into COVID-19 and we're recording this you know, kind of in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protests, that there is going to be more integration, I guess, or mingling of, you know, kind of like personal beliefs and how that affects what a company stands for. Um, That's, I guess, more specific to the Black Lives Matter protests. But even thinking about COVID-19 and how it like, literally, suddenly you're brought into somebody's personal life, right? Like just everyone's zooming from home and um, you're seeing celebrities and people like everyone's doing the news from their own home, you know, from their living room and and all that stuff. So I, I have to imagine that that's going to continue and like hopefully in ways that continue, I mean, to be authentic and not performative, I guess would be my, my hope. I'm with you on that. I like the authenticity of some of that, seeing people at their homes, even if they're ridiculously decorated because they know they're on national TV. But either way, it's just that's that's them and and the quirks and interesting things behind them. And 
it's kind of neat. I wouldn't want to lose like some of that. It was like such a 180 from like where I think something like Instagram was going where everyone, you know, if you're an influencer, the feeds are like so highly curated yeah. and it's only like these beautiful photo shoot images. And then suddenly everyone's just like, yep, I wear pajama pants like everybody else. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like, it was a real um, interruption of, of that, of that trend, I think. Yeah. 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 It, it you know, I, I remember someone mentioning that um, big corporations prior to this were trying to lessen the quality of their video and lessen the quality of their pictures to make them look mm. more personal. Meanwhile, smaller companies are trying to like increase their quality yeah, of their pictures. Yeah. look more corporate, you know, right. so this weird convergence of yeah. authenticity. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't think that that should become an excuse for like, shitty product you know right um but i don't know like maybe just that idea of like not letting that sort of universally like hold you back from either like choosing to share yeah. or from on the other side like not being so um like so focused on the kind of trappings of it all that we can't like pull out or discern or not open to like what's valuable and in, in what's being shared, even if it's not like the mm -hmm. most beautiful picture, you know, um, yeah. or like the perfect image or persona. Right. And I think, I mean, to that end, the most, I mean, clip art and stock photos tend to just turn people off. Usually mm -hmm. it, it, I've had people come on saying they tested them in landing pages and it just like people rejected at a higher rate yeah. because it's like not real. And you're like, what kind of scam am I signing up for with this right, right. and this clip art fake, fake people? Especially if it's on your homepage. Oof. Yeah. It's rough. I mean, maybe we don't have to bring back clip art so much, but yeah, but like, yeah, I don't know. Just like that general, I don't know. List, just cutting through. I'm not being that articulate around this, but like, you know, not being so hung up in the on the presentation that we can't kind of cut through to what's really being said or delivered and, and connect in that way. I think that's happening now with podcasts and video. Yeah. I think in the past I've had, I've had some video partners and um, it's like, well, we don't have a studio internally. We don't have audio video people internally. It seems so hard and you don't want to put out something that's like lesser quality. So that really mm -hmm. held us back. But I think with, with podcasts coming out there, it's just, we're just us talking and some people watch yeah. it, but a lot of people just listen. And so as long as the audio isn't terrible, then you can have a good conversation and people can join you for that. Yeah. And I think it's also pretty accessible to get up to a certain standard. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm using this mic. I don't, you know, I don't remember exactly how much it costs, maybe like 50 bucks. Like it's, it's not, you don't need a, professional photo shoots and all like for sure a, a huge investment to just be like the audio is pretty good quality yeah you don't have a bunch of static in the middle of it like it's right. it's a lower threshold i think for like pretty pretty decent um, agreed agreed yeah. i think our voices sound fantastic because we both have microphones but even earbuds would do you know yeah. yeah even just talking in earbuds is fine um and yeah my mic i think was 60 something bucks on on amazon and you're right. It doesn't have to be the Joe Rogan microphone though. One day people, one day I will have that. 
And you're like, wow, Casey, your voice sounds so much better. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it won't, but I'll know. It'd be like wearing mm-hmm. expensive clothes. But um, yeah, so Kristen, tell me, who are you? There's so many things we've talked about. Your experience just exudes out of you. You're coming up with a website, all these different things, the content framework. Can you take us back to like little Kristen days? Sure. Uh, so I was born in the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Okay. Take a lot of heat for being from Florida. Um, eh. especially having moved up North. Um, yeah, I was a really nerdy kid as you probably could tell from like the first segue about, uh, Westworld and Game of Thrones and like, uh, only the two most popular TV shows. <laughs> Is Westworld that popular? You started I throwing out I Battlestar Galactica really and I'll, I'll believe you. <laughs> um, Love to read, wasn't, you know, just really like book, bookish, I think. Yeah. Um, and I love to sing and dance. So I always danced as a kid. I started singing in probably high school. Well, I sang before that, but poorly. Um, and yeah, and I was a swimmer. So, you know, not necessarily the most like, not, not good with balls, like no hand-eye coordination, not, right. not my thing um team sports not really my thing but you gotta mostly, catch it and like it goes by it's like throwing in my kids when they're oh little, my god when we the used ball, to like play softball at pe up. it was yeah. horrible horrible <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah i grew up i'm um with my parents and my younger sister and a lot of focus on academics through high school um I guess if I had to trace where I really started writing, it was in high school. I was in this program called the International Baccalaureate Program. So IB is this international program based out of Cardiff, Wales, and it's a pretty demanding academic curriculum and it's very focused on writing. So I was doing a lot of writing just for school, really. Um, I was swimming, I was, you know, on like various leadership, lots of math math clubs, student government. Doesn't sound nerdy at all. It sounds like you were a cool <laughs> kid in school. You like super popular. <laughs> Fortunately, though like pretty much everyone was nerdy in that program. So I was in good company. I was gonna say, are you are you Alphaba or are you the good witch in this one? Are you Glinda? Like what's going on here? Which one are you? Uh the Glinda got good grades. I'm sure she did. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, probably somewhat like I, but I always had this love of theater, even though I wasn't doing a a ton of it. Um, but I decided when I got to college that that's what I was going to study. So I went to school and got a BFA in musical theater, studied that for four years. And was that just fun? That just sounds like a great time. Like I was a theater guy stuck doing computer science. Like give me a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun, but I will say like many things when you turn something you love into something you're trying to do professionally, there's a lot more pressure. Yeah. There's a lot more pressure. And um, I hadn't necessarily grown up with like the same musical background as many people do. So I felt like I had a lot of catching up to do. Oh gosh, were there the Um, kids that could like just nail like five different... Yeah, I mean, and, and wasn't like, even a thing for me, you know. Like a little tap so, dance, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had danced, I had danced, but okay. yeah, definitely there was some catching up to do. Um, and I also still had this like academic, very interested in learning side of me, so I decided to also get a degree in medieval and early modern studies. 
Wow. Excellent. Excellent fallback degree for a musical theater major. Right. <laughs> of course. Um, so. But fun though. Like if it's your, if it's something that's that was you. really, because it, it didn't have the same kind of, it was learning classroom learning, which was, was like very easy for me in a way, you know, I had to study, yeah. but um, I didn't have the same kind of challenges as performing did. Uh, and I, yeah, really loved it. Like for what, my senior project, of, I yeah. put together a, the, I adapted one of the Canterbury tales and then I made it into a play and then I directed the play. So it kind of like blended both worlds. Wow. Which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was silly and neat and very rewarding. Um, and then I went on from there to go to grad school actually in Boston. So this is the first time I came to the Boston area, went to the Boston conservatory, which is now part of Berkeley for musical theater for two years and then moved had some had some gigs, did a couple shows up here in Boston, and then moved to New York to wow. perform. To do it. To do the to theater. Do it. Thing. Do that life. Wow. Uh, which I did for about nine years. Uh, and you know, what I think people don't always realize is a lot of what the kind of work you get when you live in New York isn't isn't I mean, most people don't end up on Broadway and I never did end up there. But a lot of it is that all the auditions are there. So you're auditioning in New York and then getting regional jobs like all over the country. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's where people come for auditions. That's where, you know, the, the bigger talent pool is. Um, so I worked in Tennessee and Maine and Pennsylvania and Vegas. Really? What kind of yeah. things did you get in those different places? Uh, most were musicals, right? So I did Les Mis at, uh, you know, up in Maine. I did, um, you know, a lot of the regional their theaters, they're not doing, let's say, like the same kind of as progressive theaters, like they're doing a lot of the old chestnuts, you know, the old, the old state, your Oklahoma's, your old Aunt chestnuts. Yeah, I, love that. I mean, really, uh, Carousel, Oliver, sure. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that they know people have heard of and will probably come. Exactly. See. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As opposed mm -hmm. to, here's this new thing. <laughs> yeah, with the really traditional music and songs yeah. people love. I mean, you know, my my dad still like loves the music of Camelot. It's not a show I was ever in. It's just like something he remembers kind of of an age when musicals could like work their way into mainstream music, right. actually. And, you know, so he would like love to go see Camelot because he just remembers it. And Interesting. It in that way. I feel like yeah. age-wise, I came a little bit after those people, so... You know, like I didn't have those old, old ones, but it was more mm -hmm. of like the, maybe the sound of music and Mary mm -hmm. Poppins and more of like yeah. a Disney musical genre, yeah. you know? For me, it was like Rent and Les Mis, the first two shows I learned all the words to, Phantom of the Opera. Of course. You know? Yeah. I definitely remember uh, being a kid and like playing Phantom of the Opera on a record and my parents like, wow. like I'd come home early from school, I'd play the record and you could turn it up loud because no one else was home yeah. and I would just like sing phantom songs that's the best yeah oh absolutely that's yeah that's and people it. get home you like turn things down they go hey how yeah. you doing welcome yeah. home <laughs> <laughs> dancing around the living room cats right. cats is another one i did nice. um that's definitely a good one to just let it all out to yeah what was it like being in rent because that was one of those ones that oh i, I was not in rent i just learned the lyrics to oh it. just you learned yeah it. Okay. yeah rent's not one i was i'm not 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 a not zany enough not cool enough for rent <laughs> yeah you have to be really out there that cast it was one of those things that i heard the music a lot and was like oh i love this and i'd never seen it till maybe 
two or three years ago. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, cool. All the songs I know and really like, this is how they fit in. I didn't realize they're almost like back to back. Some of my favorites were just like. Yeah. Back -back. Yeah. Um, it's mostly yeah, sung through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Um, wow. So, okay. Theater, just doing theater. That's exciting. And doing theater, which also means doing like a hundred other jobs um, yeah. for me and most people. So while I was sure. there, I did, you know, like everything from office assistant work to office manager, catering, hosting in a restaurant, like, and then I started teaching yoga, which was kind of like the next oh, that's cool. big transition. So only an actor would decide that yoga, teaching yoga would be like a really good stable <laughs> backup. Again, stable backup. <laughs> Why so though? Was, Cause it's, it's so popular. Maybe it was, it was early on though, because now, now it's kind of all the rage, right? I mean. Yeah. So, so what I realized was that I was spending a lot more time auditioning than I was really performing. And that was very hard. Sure. And I felt like I needed something that was satisfying and fulfilling, like on a regular basis that I couldn't just wait to get, get a job and then, you know, work these other kind of day jobs that were fine. Yeah. Um, so that's really why I took a teacher training and decided I wanted to teach. And um, for a while, I even kind of, so I was teaching and then that became kind of my main source of income. But all the while, like probably after my first couple of years in New York, I was doing these small writing projects for people. Um, and at first it really was just kind of like, copywriting so it wasn't any of the marketing pieces we're talking about it was right. oh someone's got an opportunity to um you know write an article monthly for a magazine but they just don't have the time or they're not a good writer so i'm just handing off the article and they're handling all the distribution or oh i want to you know put this out to my like they had the the vehicle for it hopefully um, and sometimes they didn't which is how i learned some of those lessons about it being yeah. unsatisfying when your content doesn't really get out there um, so, you know, I'm teaching yoga and then I'm, it was all kind of in flux. So I'm starting to do less performing. I'm doing more teaching. I'm still writing. Writing is kind of like running in the background. It's my economic engine really. Um, and I tried to get this business off the ground that was like coaching for yoga teachers, but didn't get too far with that. And the nice thing about content is it doesn't require a whole lot of education. You're not show, teaching someone why they need it, really. People are pretty, even if they don't know a lot about it, they're like, yeah, yeah, I need some content. I need right, that. right. Or you can put it in a term they understand. Like, do you have a clear one-pager that describes your services? Yeah. No, and, and people ask me, and I don't have it. I need that thing. You know, so um, yeah. it's really nice in that way that, that that part of the sales process is like a little bit done for you. Yeah, because because uh, if you had to do that part too, it it's like a whole other world. We talked to it's a whole I've talked world. to people where you know we're doing marketing automation for them, and we take people who are like digital into sort of the automation world. Mm -hmm. um, but every now and then, I'll talk to someone who's not even digital yet, and it's like, cool, you need to talk to someone else before yeah. our conversation makes sense. I'm not yeah. the one bringing you out of the wilderness of your print ads and your right. you know, spots into mm -hmm. the world of digital. But when you get there, I can take you to the next level for sure. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And so that kind of ish leads us to today. Yeah. And now you're just doing all these writing projects and you're continuing to write and, and bring mm -hmm. the voice, you know, to paper uh, for a lot of yeah. these execs yeah. and, and thought leaders all over the mm -hmm. place. 
And I still do a little bit of performing. I, uh, oh, cool. I'm in a caroling group every year in the Boston area. So, yeah. Sweet. And if you got a call tomorrow to be in like, you know, Les Mis or something, would you be like, yeah, yes. Sign me Figure up. it out. <laughs> right? For sure. Figure it out. <laughs> Block yeah. my calendar. Let's yep. do this. Yep, exactly. For sure. Exactly. Um, and I was sharing with you, you know, earlier, there's that summer series up in New Hampshire here. And I'm just like, every time we go with the yeah. kids, I'm like, sign me up for the summer series. Yeah. I want to be in that. Uh, I would definitely come see you at the Palace Theater. I would, totally, totally. I would definitely make the drive. One week I'll be the wizard. The other week I'll be <laughs> Mufasa. You know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Totally down. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Well, hypothetical for you. If you could go back in time and advise yourself, um, like within Time Machine, which I may or may not have in Nashville, mm, New Hampshire. Right. But if you could go back and advise yourself, uh, see yourself maybe you, you poop in and there you are, you just got your MFA or like you just got out of school. What kind of things yeah. would you tell yourself? Any advice you'd give yourself? Yeah, I think that I would tell myself that your trajectory doesn't have to like be a straight line. And I was really looking for that, I think. Um, Cause now I'm sort of like three careers in professionally and I really see how, looking back, I see how all those experiences kind of like built on top of one another yeah. and, and that fundamentally there's a way in which it's not exact, it's not the same as being on stage to write content for other people in marketing. Right. It's not, but I think at the core of it is still like this way that words and language have the power to communicate. And that's really what I loved about teaching yoga too, was like using my... I, taught way more with my words than I did by demonstrating and, and like just, yeah, the way that language can have an effect on people. And that's kind of the common thread I see. So I think I would say like to just lighten up a little about, you know, have being on the straight and narrow and just heading in one direction. Yeah. Um, and also that it is okay to have, this is something I'm, I'm like very passionate. I'm very passionate about not being too passionate about things. <laughs> Uh, which is to say that I beat myself up, I think, for a long time that I didn't have like one great love. I didn't have something where I was like, if you, if you, you know, people say like, oh, if you could wake up in the morning and do anything else, you shouldn't be doing this thing because you don't care about it enough. Like you don't love it enough. So I made myself feel guilty because I liked a lot of things. Right. Um, and I've come to embrace the fact that like there's a kind of different kind of person who has multiple interests and not just one all-consuming career passion. Um, and I think that has been really effective in my, what I do now, because it, I have like a lot of experience. Like I can relate yeah. to like a health and wellness coach or someone who's more spiritual, but I also can relate to someone who's like in a, a very business or corporate setting. And, you know, I've, not done every job, but I've done a lot of them. Um, right. And, and so I think, yeah, just like, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay for things to change and evolve and for you to love more than one thing. And that just means you're loving a lot of life. And, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like I don't, it doesn't have to be at the expense of something else. I think there is yeah. some value to focus, right? And I, I'm with you. I'm very similar. You know, I would have, love to be like singularly focused on this one thing. Like I almost became like a pilot in the air force. Like I would, you would have no other hobbies. It would just be that. So, you know, 
being a fighter pilot in the Air Force, you just do one thing. You're focused on that. You just love to fly and do nothing else. You don't have any other hobbies. Yeah. You just do that, right? And like, that's not me. I want to try this, try that, try this, try that. Yeah. And then you might find several things you, you love. But it's interesting you brought that up because it sounded to me like, wow, look at you. So passionate all about theater, school, school, and then doing it in New York City. That's pretty amazing. But then also to your point, the diversity has a factor and the combinations you get from the health side, the yoga side, and then the writing, and then having multiple passions makes you like a triple play as opposed to just a single, like I'm, <laughs> I'm either really good at this or I'm not, you know, it's almost like the theater mm -hmm. program where you had a couple specialties versus like, I'm just really good at tap dancing. That's all I got. Right. right. Sure. You know, but no, actually I like this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I don't think one approach is better or worse than the other, but I sure. think if you are one, like whichever one you are, assuming yeah. you are one of those two, like you can choose to just embrace that versus wishing you were the other right. way or thinking the other way is better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. This has been so much fun. I'm pretty sure I could talk to you for another hour. Um, I'm pretty sure too. I do that. <laughs> or maybe have you come back and we just catch up and we talk more. Um, where can people connect with you? Throw the things where you know they can connect with you now, and then we'll just remind people that web address will be in the show notes. Well, they can definitely connect with me at kristensweeneyconsulting.com. Okay, perfect. For sure. And that, that will be, so there will it be might a, take them somewhere else, but then go there for sure. Okay, okay, cool. I like that. <laughs> that that's something. And what about social platforms? Do you want to connect on LinkedIn or anything like that? Yeah, LinkedIn is the place for me. Place to go. Okay, mm -hmm. sweet. And we'll link to you there. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming awesome. on here. I just had a, I've had a blast. I'm pretty sure we could go off on another tangent, talk musicals all day. Maybe <laughs> next time. Next time. Yeah, exactly. Stay tuned next time. Next time it's actually going to be a sing-along. Uh, okay, I'm down. We're and just, we'll just going to do... put on Phantom of the Opera and go for it. <laughs> That's it. We'll t and then we'll have to take it down off of YouTube, but it'll be out. It'll yeah. be out there on Spotify. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know what, like the people listening, if you've learned something and I know you have, I know you freaking have, because I have two pages of notes over here and <laughs> um, share this with someone, be a thought leader, one, eight, 24, 87 people, just put this 5 million, put it out there and put your take on it though. Uh, from her framework, the idea of being a, a content miner, mining that content. Oh, it's such a cool topic. Uh, so there's so many points there, but put this out there, share. This is my takeaway. Tag us so we can retweet you and reshare re you. Um, fantastic. Thank you again, Kristen, for coming on here. This has been so much fun today. Thank you so much, Casey. Had a great time. All right. Well, for everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.